Cool. Well, we're going to jump into our message here this morning as we are in the series, The Jesus Way, walking through the book of Mark. And uh, we're kind of going through all the life and teachings of Jesus. But what I'm doing is we're taking the Passion Week, which is the last week of events. We're kind of stretching it out over three weeks. So this morning, we're going to be addressing the passage oftentimes preached on Palm Sunday. We're going to talk about that. Next Sunday, we're going to look at Gethsemane. On Good Friday, we're going to look at the cross. And on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the resurrection. And uh, I'm excited as we get to walk through this. And uh, some of you, I just know this because I've, I've talked to a number of people lately. I would bet that some of you walked in this morning, and there may be a lot of you that walked in the door discouraged or confused or just frustrated in life. And I believe that the message that we have this morning, God wants to speak some hope to your heart. So I'm excited to share that with you. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse number one. Would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our primary text? Nothing sacred about Stan. It's just what we do around here to say, God, we care about what you have to say far more than what I have to say. Mark chapter 11, verse one says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut on the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you want to speak something to our hearts. And Lord, I pray for the person right now who walks in with a heavy heart. God, I pray that you would meet them. You would speak to them. Pray that in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Uh, You ever had one of those moments uh, when things just didn't turn out the way that you thought they would? (laughs) It's kind of like Chris Rock thinking, I'm going to make a joke about Will Smith's wife. (laughs) That didn't turn out the way he thought it would. Right? We just have those moments in life where like, this isn't how I thought this would turn out. Exactly. Uh, this happened to me, uh, it happened to Amber and I, this was like three years ago. And uh, I, I shared this story about three years ago. Some of you probably haven't heard this one. They, we were uh, coming up on an opportunity. My parents had uh, gifted us and the whole family just this one, once in a lifetime thing to get to all go to Disney World together. And uh, it was like pretty, pretty crazy. And so we're preparing to do this trip, right? And it's, it's like three months out in the distance. And Amber suddenly realizes, Greg, do you realize we are going to be in the Magic Kingdom on Diella's fifth birthday? And I'm like, no, I didn't realize that. She's like, I got an idea. We should take Diella to Cinderella's castle to have lunch on her fifth birthday with all of the princesses. I'm like... Okay, <laughs> that sounds expensive, but okay. <laughs> so 
I'm like, all right, this is once in a lifetime thing. Well, okay, fine, we're gonna do this thing. So, so we, we make the plans and Amber's getting all excited. We're talking to Diella. She's all excited. I'm gonna have lunch with the princesses in the castle. It's gonna be, Amber decides, I'm gonna buy her a princess dress. So she buys her this princess dress and we're ready for the day. So the day comes, it's her birthday. In the morning, we're all dressed in the normal clothes, but it's about an hour until her appointment to get to go to the castle. And so we're like, all right, we gotta get ready. So Amber brings her out. She puts her in her little dress. She does her hair. She's got the hair spray, like doing the thing. She's got sparklies all over her face. This is great. We start walking to the castle and all of a sudden Diella says, I don't want to go. We're like, baby, yeah, you do. We've been talking about this for months. You want to, I don't want to go. Yeah, you do. This is, this is going to be great. No, I don't want to go. And she starts crying to show that I'm not lying to you. Here's a picture of her in her sweet little dress. Little princess. I don't want to go. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, we got to go to this thing. She, at the point, next picture, she's like leaned on a thing. It's just, just stressing around. I don't want to go be with the princess. I don't want to do this. And then suddenly I had this thought. We've already paid for this. <laughs> I said, Hey, sweetie, you're going to go, and it's going to be the greatest time of your life. You're going to love every bit of this thing. So for an hour, we're doing this thing. I mean, her eyes are just bloodshot or whatever. Eventually, she's finally like, okay. She goes. Amber takes her. Like, she wouldn't even take pictures with the princesses. It was not, not what we had planned. It was not how we thought this thing would go. And oftentimes in life, our biggest frustrations are when we have expectations and they aren't met. Right? We think this is going to happen, but it ends up going this way. Now, I can deal with it when it's my little girl and little, okay, whatever, that's not the end of the world. But there's other more significant times when that happens, right? Like I talk to you, like in my own life, I talk to you about the fact that, you know, I, I deal with Crohn's disease a little bit, nothing compared to what some of you deal with, but there's times where it's just frustrating me. Like I had been in a good season, feeling good. I just came back from vacation. I was feeling good a couple weeks ago. And two days later, I found myself in the ER just because things were just going the wrong way. I'm like, I didn't, this isn't what I was expecting. This isn't how I thought it would be. Like you guys know what I'm talking about. You've had experience. You know, you thought, oh, I'm going to get this job. It's going to work. It's going to be amazing. Like it just doesn't happen. You know, I'm going to get this raise. I'm going to work really hard. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Some of you, like me, you have physical things going on, and you've been praying for healing. You're praying for healing, and you've been waiting, and you thought God was going to heal you in that moment, and it didn't happen the way that you thought, and you're frustrated. It's like, I don't get this, God. For some of you, it comes to a relationship. Maybe you're, you're still single, and you don't want to be, right? And there's that per. You're like, I want, I want someone to, to, to spend my life with, and it just hasn't happened for you, and, it, and it's frustrating, and you don't understand what you're feeling. Like you're just, God, I don't get this. Some of you, I know it, some of you have been desiring, so deeply desiring a child, and your heart breaks because it just hasn't happened yet, and you don't get it. You don't understand. You see other people when they have kids, and it's hard, and it breaks your heart. For others of you, you know, maybe you just need wisdom, like there's something going on in your life, and you feel overwhelmed with it. You have those moments in your life. We all do, and we just don't understand it. We, there's times where we, we, we just feel like things don't turn out the way that we want, or we feel like straight up, we feel like God has just forgotten about us. You ever been there? I have. The story we're going to look at today reveals a people who are going through the same thing, and I think the message that they needed is a message that every one of us needs. All right, to understand what happened in the story, because some of you are like, why is Jesus getting on a donkey? Why are people waving palm branches? I don't understand this. I got to give you a little historical context to understand this. Uh, if you missed 
Uh, last year, I did a series called The Big Story, and we walked through the whole story of Scripture. I would encourage you, if you're new here or maybe new to faith, and you don't understand, like, what is the, I don't even get what's going on in this whole story of the Bible, I would encourage you to go back and look for that series and listen to it. It's a little bit of a longer series, but it'll help you walk through the story of Scripture. But here's the, the Cliff Notes version of Scripture. God creates. He creates all things perfectly. It's his plan. He orders things. He structures things, all these. And then he creates mankind, right? He creates them. And and he says, listen, mankind, you are actually going to rule on my behalf. Under my authority, you're going to rule over creation. You are going to steward it. And together, we are going to partner in the oversight of this world. But we know the story is sin enters the world. Mankind says, listen, we don't want to be under your authority, God. We want to do our own thing. And the result is sin enters the world and it corrupts all things. And what we see, the stain of sin is what we see all around our world on a regular basis. You see it in your own life on a regular basis, how sin destroys. That's just what it does. But God calls a man named Abraham who ultimately becomes the people of God known as the Israelites. And these Israelites, their relationship with God was a little up and down. You know, if you read the story, they're doing great and then they're running away and they're up and down and up and down. But throughout all this time, there are these prophecies that one day God will restore and redeem all things. And one day this Messiah would come to be the one to bring this to completion, to bring this to complete fullness. And this is what the Jewish people, the Israelites, were waiting for it. They had expectation. This was the hope that they held on to. And then Jesus comes. And what does Jesus begin doing? He does Messiah-like things, right? He's walking around. He's healing people. You know, he's setting people free. He's raising people from the dead. And people start thinking, maybe this guy is the one. This might be that Messiah that we've been waiting for, the, the hope that they've had. Maybe it is really here. That's what they're looking for. And, and their understanding was that, you know, this Messiah would come and set everything straight. Because at this time, they were under Roman control. The, the Roman Empire, and they're like, although they could worship God, they weren't truly free. And they're thinking, man, when this Messiah comes, he's going to kill the Romans. He's going to take over. He's going to be this king. It's going to be amazing. That's what they're waiting for. And then this day comes. So you understand, this is what they're waiting for. They think Jesus might be the one. And this day comes. And it says that Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And they start thinking, hey, the prophecy said he's going to come into Jerusalem. And then he's coming in from the eastern gate. <gasps> he's coming in from the east. This might be that guy. And then it said he was going to be on a donkey. He's on a donkey, everybody. They're getting excited. You can see the anticipation in their hearts. A lot of times when we think about Palm Sunday, you know, and this, this idea, I think we get pictures like this, you know, just like people holding a palm, like, yay, Jesus, you're awesome. Right? Go, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Like, this is not what it was like. Like, it was more like a pep rally of, before a game. Like, everybody's jacked. Yeah! Yeah! What are they yelling? You know what they're yelling? Hosanna. Do you know what Hosanna means? Save now. Sometimes we say Christian words, and we don't even know what they mean. We sing these songs. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. You know what that means? Praise the Lord. Okay? It's not just some weird word. Hosanna isn't just some weird word. It means save now. These people say, Jesus, save us now. You're the one. You're going to come kill the Romans. This is going to be amazing. They're all excited. This is their expectation of what's going to happen. In fact, all these 
phrases that they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is all coming out of Psalm 118, which is an entire passage about this coming Messiah, okay? And so this is what they're thinking. And they think Jesus is going to come, destroy Rome, reestablish Israel. Everything's going to be the way it's supposed to be. They're looking for a king, and they think Jesus is the one. But just a few short days later, the crowd goes from shouting Hosanna to shouting crucify him. And the disciples who had been walking with Jesus all desert him. And these people who had all this expectation about what Jesus was really going to be like, they all realized, nah, he wasn't what we thought he would be. It wasn't what they expected. You see, they, they can resonate with that feeling that we have that it's not supposed to be like this. Why aren't you doing what I want? You ever said that to God? Why aren't you doing this? Why haven't you done what I wanted? Why aren't I getting what I think is most important? And then you start to ask the question, God, do you even care? Do you even care? There's a passage of scripture that Jesus quotes here in in, uh, Luke chapter 12. And I think it's important for us to remember. Jesus said this, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I think sometimes we can think, man, I don't know if God even, does he even know? Does he notice what I'm going through right now? And Jesus would say, he does. He does. There's times when you feel alone and you feel like God doesn't care. He does. He knows. He walks intimately. In fact, scripture says this, that he is near the brokenhearted. He's near the brokenhearted. He's not embarrassed by the brokenhearted. He's not frustrated with the brokenhearted, right? He's not get your act together brokenhearted. No, he's near to the brokenhearted. And some of you need to hear that this morning. You need to hear the voice of a loving heavenly father that says, listen, I see you in your brokenness. I see you in your frustration. I see you in your disappointment. You need to understand I am near to you. We don't serve a God who is often distanced, right? He just says, hey, I'm gonna stand off. No, he is a God who came and he is... Uh, experienced pain. He knows what it is. And throughout, even when we see Jesus, when he sees people hurting, it says at times that he even cried himself. Why? Because he knows the pain. He understands and he cares for you. But it doesn't change the fact that it can still be hard sometimes, right? I can know that God's near, but it doesn't always change the fact that I can still be frustrated, (laughs) disappointed, And so I think there's a bigger picture that the the Jewish people here needed to get a hold of. And I think it's a truth that we need to get a hold of. As hard as it is, it's something we need to get a hold of. And it's a big so what this morning. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else I share this morning, I want you to get a hold of this. God's greatest concern is our deepest need. God's greatest concern, the thing he cares about the most is our deepest need. Now, if we're totally honest, even our greatest concern isn't our deepest need. You know what I'm, I'm concerned about a lot of times? What am I going to have for lunch? <laughs> Any resonate? <laughs> like, what, what am I going to eat next? You know, my boys, as soon as we are finished with the meal, so what are we having for the next meal? I'm like, boys, <laughs> like, let's just enjoy the one we had, <laughs> okay? We can do that. We can get real concerned about the, the menial things. We get focused on those things. A lot of times, we can spend a lot of time being concerned about what other people think about us, right? How many times are you not, you're not dressing to make yourself feel good. You're dressing because you're afraid of what people are going to think about you. 
I gotta make sure I impress these people. I saw this quote years ago and it's one of my favorite ones. At age 20, we worry about what others think about us. At 40, we stop caring what others think about us. At 60, we realize they haven't been thinking about us in the first place. It's true. I'm only halfway through there now and I totally get it. I don't care as much as I used to. Like whatever. But we spend so much time being concerned about these things. You know, we get concerned about the stuff. What do I have? What do I not have? Well, they have this. I don't have that. We focus our energy on those kind of things. Jesus is saying, is that, really, is that really what's most important? For some of us, we get, we're concerned about our jobs. And it's important. These are important things. Give all of our energy to that. Some of us, we get really focused on, I just got to be happy, right? Whatever will make me happy, whatever will bring me that fulfillment, in my, that's what I need to fight for. That's what I need to focus my life on. And we can even focus on really good things, right? Like, of course, saying, saying oh, man, I don't want to be sick. That's a good thing. Like, yeah, I want to be healed. Some of you want, you want a spouse. That's a good thing. You want a child. You want, that's a good thing. You need wisdom. You need direction. You need whatever. Whatever it is that's on your heart, those are good things. And God says those are absolutely important. He says, what is deepest need? See, oftentimes when we miss out the most important thing, we can ruin the things that are most important. I see, I see it happen in marriages sometimes. A marriage is falling apart. Why? Because they're so concerned about all the stuff out here and they never actually care about their relationship. They're not spending time together, not showing love to one another. Oh, they know there's a, there's a wedge there, but they're not doing anything about it. Same thing can happen in our health. Sometimes health issues are for other reasons, but sometimes there are people who are just so busy out here doing everything, they're never eating the right thing. <laughs> they're never exercising. It's just basic things. Like you gotta take care of the things that, that matter most. The same thing happens in our faith at times. Our relationship with Jesus, it's the most important thing, and yet we walk away. Why? Because we're spending all of our energies out here focusing on all the other things. Oh, are they good? Sure, really, really good. But they aren't the most important thing. And in this moment, we recognize that God is one who is not like us. He doesn't get distracted. In this moment, these people had made an idol out of this idea of Jesus is going to come in and he's just going to take over and destroy everything. It became an idol to them because when he didn't fulfill what they wanted, they turned away from him. They had made a God out of that thing. And see, God is saying to you, listen, my greatest concern is your deepest need. They wanted a king. They wanted the one to come take over. They wanted him to grab a sword, but he took a cross instead. Because he said, listen, you don't understand what I'm up to here. You think you want somebody to come set things right in the physical. You don't understand that your deeper need is spiritual. There's something deep that I need to do inside of you right now. They didn't understand that. And I think for many times, we, we come to Jesus, we do, because I do this, we come to Jesus wanting Santa Claus when he's actually a doctor. We'll come to Jesus and say, I want all the things, and he's saying, listen, you don't know what you need right now. I'm going to do something in you right now. I'm working in you right now. I'm moving in ways that you can't understand right now. We need to get a hold of the realities of that. Now, we understand that when it comes to a Savior, right? Your deepest need, every single one of us, our deepest need is spiritual. 
You might have come in the door this morning, as I said, you're, you're overwhelmed, you're frustrated, you're all these kind of things. And that need may be very significant in your life. It is, 100%. But for every single one of us, our deepest need is spiritual. And Jesus said, I came to meet that need, and I want to do something in your heart. And maybe you need to respond to Jesus this morning. But I want to talk to those who are still struggling, because you're like, well, that's, that's a nice little pat answer, Greg. Like, okay. All right, he's working on it, but this thing is still significant in my life. I get that. I think in, uh, we need to recognize a truth that we see in Scripture. You know what God's deepest desire for your life is? We see it in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. His desire is that you would be conformed to the image of his son, that you would look more like Jesus. In fact, the big so what for this whole series, remember what I said? Spiritual maturity looks like Jesus. God's desire for you, his greatest desire for you is that you would look more and more like Jesus. And so in moments like this, in moments when you're struggling, in moments when you have this like, God, what is going on? I don't get this. I don't understand this. Do you see me? Have you forgotten about me? In those moments, can we ask this question? Is it possible that God is still working? Is it possible that he's still doing something in us? Is it possible that he still wants to speak to us? Is it possible that he's leading us in some way? There's a verse that we like to quote a lot of times, and I think sometimes it gets misused. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, when it says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And I think this verse can get misused sometimes. Okay, God's doing all the stuff. Listen, sometimes sinful people do sinful things, and it wasn't God's desire for them to do that. Okay? just happens sometimes. Hey, guess what? We live in a, sin, a sinful, broken world with decay, and sometimes things happen. So when we say, and we know that in all things God works, we can be confident of this. Although a sinful person may have caused something in your life to hurt you, a holy God can work in that circumstance in ways that you don't understand. He can redeem things that are broken. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying you want that, right? I'm not saying, oh, this is what, God did this. We like to say, God, why did God, you did this to me. Sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it's just life. <laughs> we talk about embrace the struggle, folks. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want to, okay? But the confidence that we can have as followers of Christ is that in all things, God works. In all things, God can work. In all things, he is active. Even, we sing it all, even when we don't see it, he is active. Even when we don't understand it, he is active. This is the promise that we have. And in order to take hold of this promise, it demands one word from our hearts, and it's this, trust. Would we trust God? Would we trust him to say, God, I don't, I don't get this. That's one of my favorite prayers to pray. God, I don't get this. I know it sounds super spiritual. I don't get this. It's okay. He's big enough for you to say that. You know what else you can say? God, I don't get this. And I don't like this. I've said that before. It's okay to say that. But the challenge for us as followers of Christ is to say, God, I don't get this. I don't like this. But I trust you're working. 
I trust that you are moving. And even in the pain that I'm feeling, I'm going to remind myself of the realities that says, you're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. You walk with me through the valley. You don't say, good luck, figure it out on your own. No, you are near to the brokenhearted in every circumstance. That's the choice we have in that moment. To say, God, I trust you. Because what's the other option? Walk away. There's no in-between. And so I come to you with a loving message, but I come to you with an encouraging message to say, don't give up. It's just don't give up. being a pastor because <laughs> I know the hurt I look around the room and I know the hurt that's all over the place right now <laughs> and I just say don't give up don't give up trust him I wanted to end with just a nice story of how, hey, if you just keep trusting, everything will work out. I got thousands of those stories. But guess what? Sometimes it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. It just doesn't. So I don't want to give you all false hope that everything's just, just hang on. It'll all work out just the way you want it. Because guess what? For the Jews, it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. It didn't. It worked out, but it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. And, uh, I just want to say this, that it didn't work out the way they wanted to, but when you have the choice to trust God, you say, God, are you, is he even worthy of trusting? I think a God who is willing to take our sin and shame on himself, to endure pain, death, and the cross on our behalf, because he loves us that much, I think that's a God worth trusting. It's a God that says, I can put my life into your hands even if I don't get it because I know you're good. And I might not see it, but I'm gonna choose to trust you. And this morning, there's some of you that you just need to choose again. You've been choosing every day for months. You need to choose again. God, I'm gonna trust you. And I'm gonna say it, and I'm gonna sing it, and I'm gonna praise you when I don't feel like it, because God, I don't have another option. I'm not going to run away, and so I'm going to choose to run toward you in the pain, okay? I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room this morning. If you bow your heads, pray with me. God, we just thank you so much. God, that you are always with us. God, it doesn't always feel like it. But God, we trust in who you are. And we know you are a God that we can depend on. You are a firm foundation. And so, Lord, I pray for the person right now that feels discouraged, that needs you. God, I pray that you would wrap your arms around them. God, that you would hold them tightly, Lord. Father, that you would just 
once again remind them that you don't leave them. They're never alone. Pray that in your name, Lord. With every head bow and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you're just saying, you know what, you've been talking to me. I just, I need to say, God, I trust you again. It's not, this isn't for me. I don't even need to look up. I just, for you, can you just lift a hand across the room and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I need to say that out loud, God. I need to give my heart to you today. Just lift your hand across the room and say, that's me. I need to respond. God, I need to say I trust you again. I need to put my hope in you again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray you'll meet with us all. God, we will be reminded of how good you really, truly are, Lord. And God, I pray for the ones in the room right now who are, everything's great right now. It's all easy. Everything's going well. God, I pray that they will be reminded of this. Because it's never if we're going to have challenges, it's when. And Lord, I pray we would be reminded to turn to you in every circumstance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.